All right. Well, hey, listen, welcome to New Life. Man, this church, this church seriously couldn't have a better name. It couldn't have a better name because we are strategically designed to bring new life to our community. All right. So I hope that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are discovering new life with God. And I'm also praying that through you, others would discover new life as well. So uh, thanks for being here today. My name is Jeff Baker, and I am one of the pastors on staff. If you have a Bible with you, or if you have a uh, smartphone or a tablet device, please log on to our, uh, our free Wi-Fi here. I believe if you search for it, it just is, it's very simple to find. It's called New Life. Yeah, it's not hard. We don't disguise it. There is no password to get on it. So um, unless you're trying to get onto the NLA one. But then you want to look for that little lock symbol. If you're new to Wi-Fi, you see a lock symbol and you go, I can't get on here. It's because it's locked out. All right. So you go after the one that says new life, log on. Um, and I want you to open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 15. That's what we're preaching out of during this entire series. All right. I am going to be jumping into some other passages of scripture. Um, but if you have your U version or you've got your sermon notes, all of that information is on there as well. Well, listen, last week we talked about the, uh, in the search to be a prodigal friendly church, we talked a lot about what the heart of the Father looks like for the prodigal. And man, I heard a lot of great feedback throughout the week of people just going, that encouraged me. That's the kind of heart I want to have. It kind of gave us some simple marching orders of what do we need to do to change our lives so that they look more like the heart of God? Well, that we cannot lose throughout this journey. Nothing else along this journey trumps week one. Week two and week three, today and next week, they only build on top of what we've laid as the foundation of the heart of God. Just please, please know that. If you were not here last week, I really want to highly encourage you to go back to our website, listen to last week's message uh, via our podcast, okay? Uh, listen to that because um, we're just going to build on top of all those kinds of things today. Today, I really want to talk to you a lot about what the heart of a prodigal looks like. Um, I, I may be the lead pastor here, um, but my past looks nothing like my current life now. Uh, my past looks completely um, like a prodigal. I grew up in church all my life, and then I drifted away. And uh, in drifting away, I, I really did live entirely like a prodigal. I want to explain some of those things to you. Some of you have heard those stories. You've heard little pieces of it. Today, I want to share more of that as well. See, one of the things you need to know about being a prodigal-friendly church means that you, you just don't disguise your failures. Um, no one at New Life expects any other person to be 100% perfect. But what we do expect is that all of us become people that are on a journey to become more like Christ. That's our journey. All of our journeys have become more like Christ. All right? But we've never expected you to always be perfect along the way. So it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be authentic. It's okay to share your failures. You're going to hear me today share some of my past ones. Um, last week, you heard me start to share one of my current ones. And in the future, I'll share more of them with you. Not because I want to throw my junk out there, but because I really want you to know that this life of being Christ-like has some twists and turns in it, and we have to really know how to rebound from our failures, or rebound when, we, when our eyes are opened up and we realize today that maybe we're more of a prodigal than we once thought. So to jump in today, I just want to ask you the first question, and that's this. Have you ever been lost before? Have you ever been lost? Now, not spiritually lost, okay? Uh, I know that to be the case, but uh, in some of our lives, we know what that's like. But I'm just talking physically lost. Have you been physically lost? Just put a hand up. That's a very humbling thing to say. 
Wow, everybody. Do you remember, do you, did you, were you ever lost as a kid, like in a mall or in a large store, and you, you lost your parents? Did that ever happen to you? Can you, re, can, can you even remember back that far? All right. I, I have a hard time sometimes myself, all right? I remember that, though. Man, the panic that came on the inside of you as a kid when you were lost away from your parents. What, what about when you were lost and you're driving, right? You're driving through a city that you're completely unfamiliar with. Isn't it interesting it's somewhat ironic that when you're lost in a city you've never been to before, you always seem to get lost in the worst part of the city. Why can't you be lost in the best part of the city? Why is it always I'm lost and someone goes to you, oh, you don't want to be in these parts? You know, well, why does that always happen? But when you're lost, you, there's an anxiety that comes. There's an embarrassment that comes. There's a lot of things that come along with being lost. Right? Now, I asked my wife before today's message, um, Honey, can I share a story about when you were lost? And she said, yes. So this is the story, okay? Thank you, honey. Um, it makes the opening sermon, it, the, the whole message, way better. So my wife, um, a number of years ago, we were living, living here in Carning, and she was in St. Louis. Every March, she goes back to St. Louis, and it's her birthday, and I fly her back there, and, or she drives back, and she spends some time with her father, and it's just a good father-daughter moment, right? And so I love being able to give her that gift every March. This time she drove. And uh, she, she drives to St. Louis. On her way back, on her way back, she's coming from Kansas City up towards Omaha. Now remember, we live in Kearney. So if you've ever made that drive before, you're coming up from Kansas City, you have to turn at the Nebraska City exit. That's highway. Thank you, honey. Yeah. She knows now. The reason is because that particular day, she flew right past that. It's like seven miles, I believe, from the border. Um, you got to go seven miles into Iowa. Then you take, and then you head west on Highway 2. And she missed that, okay? The next thing that she sees in her drive is tall buildings, a lot of commotion, because she's made it all the way to Council Bluffs, all the way to Omaha, right, before even recognizing whoa, I think I missed our turn. Now, that's, in, that's interesting. So she hops out of the car, goes into a gas station in Council Bluffs and says, um, where, where, where am I? And they tell her Council Bluffs. She goes, how do, how do I get to Kearney from here? And the gal on the other side of the counter goes, Kearney? I've never heard of Kearney. <laughs> she says at that moment, she started to cry because she realized, I'm lost and I don't know where I'm at. Someone please help me. Well, she got the directions from a nice, you know, nice person, which sent her on her way, and she made it home. Obviously, that's one hour up to Omaha and one hour back to Lincoln, extending the trip an additional two hours. So that's, that's a bummer when you're lost and the anxiety of all of that. Now, to make matters worse, what really happened was she was coming home. Somehow, I had locked myself and the kids out of the house that day. And I really needed her to get home. So maybe compassionately I say to you, honey, it was probably that you were praying for us, you were concerned about us, and you missed the street. So that's the kind of heart that you have. So, um, but listen, the story's not about me locking the kids out of the house. The story and the part that really matters is that she was lost. Okay, so let's make sure, let's keep that clear right there. Just made matters worse that I locked myself and the kids out of the house. So two hours behind schedule she shows up. We finally get back into the house. When you're lost, though, 
and you don't know it. When you're lost and you don't know it, that's a dangerous place to be. When you're driving past Nebraska City, going up to Omaha, not knowing where you're at, could have pulled off and talked to anyone, anything could have happened. When you're lost and you don't know it, what ends up happening is that you end up wasting time. You end up wasting energy. You end up wasting more money. When you're lost and you don't know it and you have to come to the grips that I am lost, it's somewhat embarrassing to even have to admit that. It can be hard to admit it sometimes because many times we don't even realize we're lost until a big wake-up call comes. I don't know where Carney is. All along our lives, when you're lost and you don't know it, you end up wasting a lot of things. These are the issues that today's prodigals wrestle with. They wrestle with being lost and not knowing it. And in that process, they waste a lot of things. How many of you would consider yourself at one point of your life to have been a prodigal spiritually? A prodigal spiritually. Okay. A number of you would would consider that to be the case. And we often define a prodigal based on the outward or the physical actions. You know, those physical actions of being rebellious. You know, that, uh, that sinful living that's physical that everyone can see. Or we define a prodigal based on the foolish decisions that they make. But the truth be told today, truth be told today, prodigal starts way beyond the physical foolishness begins. Prodigal starts way beyond those things. You know, if your house, if your house ends up having cracks in the ceiling, in the walls of the house, you have a lot of them, you might want to go look at the foundation. Take a look at this, right? You might want to go look at the foundation because if the foundation is bad, you're going to start seeing the cracks up in the ceiling and up in the walls before the house ever caves into the ground. This is very much like a prodigal. A prodigal has cracks in their spiritual life down deep, somewhere in the heart, before you ever start seeing the physical manifestations of the prodigal heart. So the first thing that Jesus tries to teach us about what a prodigal's heart really looks like is he first tries to help us understand that prodigal starts in the heart. It starts right here. It's not, prodigal doesn't start with a rebellious action. It doesn't start with a sin. It starts in the heart. Like the home has a foundation crack, you start seeing things up at the top. In Luke chapter 15, verses 12 through the beginning of 13, this is what Jesus said to help us understand that prodigal starts with the heart. He says, the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his son his younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. When you look at this passage here, how do we see that prodigal starts in the heart? What are some, what's the evidence that's in this one passage right here that helps us see prodigal starts in the heart? First off, notice this. The son, he goes and he asks for the inheritance, and Jesus never identifies it as being an argument. He never says, wow, the son was completely ticked off. He was mad. He goes to the father. He's just torqued. And he's like, give me my money now. And notice what happens after he, his dad makes the decision. How long does it take before the son leaves? Two days. Have you ever, parents, if you're here, right, and you've got teenagers, have you ever been through the conversation where your teenager is completely mad and they want justice and they want what they, des- they think they deserve right now and I'm packing up a bag and I'm moving out? You ever had one of those kind of conversations? I hope not, but many of us have. If we've had teenagers, we've had that collision between what they think is right and what we think is right, 
and their idea of what grown-up really is, and they're going to threaten us by packing our bags and moving away. See, the evidence of this passage points more to uh, the fact that this was not some emotional exchange, but a premeditated exchange. A premeditated exchange. It looks more like the son had his eyes set on something other than relationship with dad. That in his heart, his heart kept building and kept growing for this inheritance instead of just being satisfied on relationship with dad. He allowed something to take over his heart versus just loving dad. And when you and me, when we live our lives and we let something else take over our heart other than relationship with God, we are very much like the premeditated aspect of the prodigal. Something began months before this moment. Something was going on. It was growing. There was this this thing that was intensifying inside of him that was other than relationship with God. Because the heart. Notice what the Bible says about the heart in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. It says this about the heart. It says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. And desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? It's deceitful above all things. And it's desperately wicked. And when we allow our heart to drift from relationship with God and get focused on something like an inheritance or get focused on a job or get focused on financial wealth or get focused on relationships or get focused on anything else, it's just a matter of time before the deceitful, wicked heart leads you away from God. And our heart gets focused on something other than Christ. Our heart is going to lead us to that place. That's what ended up happening with me. I grew up, like I told you, in church. I was a teenager. I was a kid. My first memories are running around the church all my life. I heard what was right. But as a teenager, I never really came to grips with an authentic, real encounter relationship with God. Ironically enough, it was at 15 years old that I felt God called me into ministry. So, put all those pieces theologically together. But here's my heart that's not focused on following God. And I go into my my young adult years or those college type of years. I drift into this moment where I now have to become a young adult. I got to stand on my own two feet, but I've got nothing to stand on. Why? Because my heart had constantly been focused on something other than relationship with God. And over time, that won out. And it robbed me of a lot of things. Today, if your heart is focused on something other than relationship with God, your heart's focused in the wrong place. Some of you are prodigals of the heart right now. You're just not prodigal in action. Your heart is more prodigal than you thought. We use words in this church like stalled. But your heart has drifted. You know it. It's grown cold. It's grown weary. It doesn't desire, it doesn't desire God's word like it ought to. It doesn't desire relationship with God like it once did. It doesn't desire worshiping God like it once used to. It doesn't really want you to hang out with other believers like you once used to really enjoy. The, the prayer life is, is drifted. It's, everything's kind of stalled out. It's like you grew to this point in this flat, plateaued, or it's in the decline. Some of you are more prodigal than you even really want to admit, but you just haven't taken the really hard, physical, rebellious action. You don't really have any of those big labels of, you know, manifest sin in your life. But it's just a matter of time. If that's where you find your heart today. That's where prodigals, prodigals started there. 
How do we avoid following that path of the deceitful heart and the wicked heart? How do you avoid that? Because I'm going to tell you today, all of us are going to have that deceitful heart to try to lead us astray. It's a never-ending battle for the believer. You're never going to completely 100% conquer the fact that inside of you is this soulish, sinful, deceitful, wicked heart that wants to lead you away from God. You'll never overcome that completely. So what do you do? How do you avoid it? How do you avoid it? You go to Psalms 139, verses 23 through 24. Take a look. It says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That was David's cry. David, look at what he says there. Search me. Search this heart of mine. I know it's deceitful and wicked. Search it, O God, and find these anxious thoughts. Find these things like this inheritance idea. Find these things in me and point them out to me. Point out anything, in fact, that offends you. Let me just put a warning label right here on this sermon. If this hasn't been a regular prayer of yours, warning, your heart may be more prodigal than you think. If the prayer of your life hasn't been, search me, God, know me, help me to see me, because I'm telling you that deceitful, wicked heart blinds you. It blinds you. Your soul so much wants to dominate you. God's spirit so much wants to be your leader. That prayer hasn't been inside of your heart right now. Take note of that. Because today, during our worship time, that's the cry that God's looking for from you. Because God wants you to avoid the prodigal action by attacking it in the heart. But once the heart's been affected, one of the things you need to know about prodigals is that the most popular action a prodigal takes is to run to a distant, a distant place, to get away. Look at uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 13. It says this. A few days later, his younger son packed all of his belongings and he moved to a distant land. That's the most common response of a prodigal is to get away, to move to a distant land. Some prodigals, they run far away to avoid conviction. That's why they're running. That's why I ran. I ran as far away as I could because I didn't want to hear the voice that was common sense. I didn't want to hear the voice of wisdom. I wanted to get as far away from the people that I knew loved me because I knew those people were also godly. And a lot of prodigals run as far away as they can to avoid conviction. But there are other prodigals. It's that prodigal of the heart condition. The prodigal of the heart condition causes a person to stay close, but yet to ride the fence of spirituality. They're here right now. They're sitting next to you right now. They may be you. You're here, you're going through the motions, but you ride the fence spiritually. What does Jesus refer to that person as in Revelation? He refers to that person as lukewarm. And if you know anything about that passage, then you know the next part of that passage, which is somewhat scary. He says, if you're lukewarm, I spew you out of my mouth. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Why? Because you're fooling yourself. If you're a prodigal of the heart, you're also probably one that you can notice that by how you ride the fence spiritually. You, you want one thing, but you also want another. And God's trying to win your heart over completely. So I ask you today, what is your heart focused on? Where is your heart focused? Is it the cry of David, like Psalms 139? Is it the cry of God? Is it, is it the cry of a heart that just goes, God, consume me? 
Know all my thoughts, God. May they line up with you. Where is your heart at right now? Get your attention back on Christ. Get your attention back on Christ. And this is what will happen over time. Your passion and your desire for God will increase. Now, it may not be nuclear. It may not this happen right there at that moment. But you keep your passion, your focus on Christ. And I'm telling you, over time, he wins out the heart. He wins out the heart. And your passion is there. Well, you might go, I just don't feel passion right now. Focus your heart on Christ and relationship with dad. Relationship with the father over anything else. And passion will grow. I worship, but I just don't feel it. Focus your attention on God. And over time, you'll experience, you'll experience God. Sometimes it does go nuclear. Man, those are awesome. And the moments where, bam, God just shows up. And I love it when God does that. Sometimes it's like the slow boil and it builds over time. It's okay. Stay focused on Christ. The man or the woman who seeks him with all their heart, the Bible says it multiple times, finds him. Finds him. But if you choose not to do that, then you just need to know that you're going to follow the pattern of the prodigal. All right? The pattern of the prodigal is... Really point to that the prodigal wastes the best. Look at, let's go back to Luke chapter 15. Pick up on verse 13. Take a look at what it says. It says there, right? Meaning the distant land, okay? The distant land that the prodigal goes to. He wasted all of his what? Money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, look what happens. This is, these are some of the things that happen to prodigals. They just can't plan everything out. And so it seems as if one big, massive thing after another happens, and they blame it all on God when really God's trying to get their attention. But when he gets to there and he wastes all of his money, look, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Because he didn't plan. He wasn't smart. Verse 15, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Verse 16, the young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything a prodigal wastes everything that's godly and everything good that's around them if you have a son or a a daughter or someone that you love that is a prodigal they've walked away from god you'll know this for a matter of fact they waste everything that seems to be good that's around them it doesn't mean that they don't prosper at times it doesn't mean they don't get a raise you know at their job or that they get promoted it doesn't mean that it just means that they just don't know how to manage any of that kind of stuff and use it in a godly way. Like resources, money, jobs, talents, material wealth. All those things get wasted. Family, marriages get split apart. Children get pushed away from fathers. Children walk away from parents because they waste the best family that's around them. They waste spiritual growth. They waste the moments of this worship service. They waste the moments of life groups. They waste it all. And some of some of you right now, you're wasting even this very moment. Why? Go back to number one. Because the prodigal's heart is affected. And you're wasting even this moment. You're just going through the motions. It doesn't please you. It's not pleasing God. You're just going through the motions. Don't waste the best that's in front of you today. Most prodigals, they waste things so much that before they know it, it's just too late. I remember as being a prodigal and walking away from God that, man, I ended up wasting everything. I've told some of you this, but, I mean, I, I wasted all my finances. I was down to just a couple bucks in a checking account. It's the only time in my life that I, you know, ever bounced a check, ever. You know, I'm completely anti all of those things. But I couldn't keep it under control. 
you know, I wasted my marriage, and I told my wife and my kids to, you know, get away from me, and I didn't want to have anything to do with them. I wasted all of the godly friends that I had around me. I, I wasted my family. I put, you know, not just my wife and my kids, but my mom, my dad, my, my grandmother that I knew was praying for me. I mean, I just wasted all of those things. You gave me anything, I wasted it. You, you gave me a vehicle, I wasted it. In fact, at one point, I got all the way down to a crotch rocket motorcycle. That's all I had, and it had a, a tire that was going flat. That's all I had. Winter was coming, that's all I had. I ended up wasting even my own place to live and lived on the couch of a couple of buddies. I've told you those kind of things. But I'm telling you, that's the truth. I went through it. People don't always have to go to that extreme to be a prodigal, though. You could be a prodigal in the heart and you're wasting everything spiritual that's around you. So you don't have to have all the foolish things. But why do prodigals waste everything that's good around them? Because of foolish thinking and foolish living. That's why we waste it all. Because we're foolish in our thinking and our living. Look at what Romans 1, verses 20, 21 and 20 through 23 has to say. It says, yes, yes, they knew God. That's key. Pay attention to that. They knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds, animals, and even reptiles. Just leave that passage up there for a moment. Prodigals waste everything that's good around them because of foolish thinking and foolish living. Foolish thinking, yes, they knew God, but they instead, they, would worship, they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. That's foolish. What does it mean to be foolish in your thinking? Self-centered. Get your eyes off of the God that you know to be God and get your eyes on the one that now you praise and you give thanks to you. That's, if that's where you're at, if that's where you're at, the heart of the prodigal is building on the inside of you. But once you act out the, the actions of prodigal and you completely walk away from God, you need to know that that foolishness is only going to lead to confusion. Confusion. That's what happens here. Their minds became dark and confused. How did their minds become dark and confused? Because they started to think about God in a way that wasn't God. They came up with crazy ideas of who God was and how God acted and how God responded. They defined God in their own way, which was completely unbiblical. That's the society and the culture we live in today. We live in a society and culture today where people want to define God the way they want to. And they want to abandon the word of God and the gospel of truth and come up with their own definition of God. What does that lead to? It leads to foolish living and it's unavoidable. That's what ends up happening. Here, they claim to be wise. In verse 22, they claim to be wise. They instead became utter fools. When you waste everything you have living with foolish thinking, self-centeredness, Get your eyes off of God and worshiping self. It leads to foolish living. And we end up chasing this self-centered, selfish dream of freedom that I can just go live how I want and do what I want, but in the end it leads to the pit of humanity, which then leads to nothing. Why? Why do we follow this pattern? Why do prodigals, you and me, why do we follow this pattern of foolish living and thinking? 
because we're stuck in our stubborn ways. We're stubborn people. We are just like the prodigal in Luke 15, verse 15. It says this, that he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The, young, the younger man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Man, that's stubborn. Here's this man who's Jewish, who they don't eat pigs, they don't associate with them. You know, it's just like you, you don't touch them. That's the most filthy thing. It's one of the most filthy animals on the planet at that time. And that's where he finds himself. That's stubborn to drop to that kind of low when you know you could repent and run back to God. It's also stubborn to be hungry enough that you want to eat the very food you're feeding, the things that you're not even supposed to touch. That's stubborn instead of asking for help. It's stubborn to get all the way to the point where he finds out that I'm starving to death before he ever decides to move. We are very much like the prodigal. We are stubborn. And we will entertain any kind of other idea to find satisfaction and relief from our pain that the prodigal brings instead of turning back to God. I'm saying to you today, if you are a prodigal in action or a prodigal in heart today, drop the guard of being stubborn. Drop the wall of our stubbornness and run to God and go, God, my heart has become more prodigal than I hoped for. God, I admit it. God, my actions, they're they're screaming the life of a prodigal. My my heart, I know, is distant from God and I want you to know him. And I don't want to keep living like a fool, God. I come running back to you. Lay down your guard. I had to go a long ways without anything before I ever laid down my guard. I understand what that feels like. And it's a very humbled act to finally admit I was stubborn and I was wrong. It's the most healthy thing that you can do today. Evaluate your heart. Is what you have now truly better than what you had? And if it's not, if it's not, then stop trying to save face. Run back to God and practice one spiritual discipline, one spiritual truth called confession. Open up our mouths and confess that Christ is Lord. Open up our mouths and confess that my actions don't line up with your word, God. I don't want to have all these foolish thoughts about you that lead to confusion and just ruins me. God, I want to follow you. Bring our hearts back to that place. But if you're not willing to confess today, then you're going to be forced to move on to phase three. You're going to have to wait for the phase three of the prodigal pattern to happen in your life. Phase three, though, basically is this, that prodigals must come to their senses. They have to come to their senses. Look at uh, verse 17 of Luke 15. Here's what it says. It says, when he, or the prodigal, when he finally came to his senses, he said to, his, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here, I'm dying of hunger. When he finally came to his senses. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is the one who spoke these words. And he said, when man finally came to his senses... What is he really trying to say? You come to your senses when you're finally heading home spiritually. There's no other place. There's no other way to come to your senses. Unless you turn away from your sin and you're going, oh, I'm going to head home. That's called repentance. Repentance is the beginning of coming to your senses. It's finally admitting that I'm wrong and God is right. But you can't force anyone to come to their senses. Nobody on this planet could force a prodigal, no matter how much you love them, no matter how much you care about them. I can't even convince them today in this sermon. 
to come to their senses. That's something that the Holy Spirit's at work with. If you, if you want to be a part of helping prodigals come to their senses, then come, come to a point where you're praying the will of the Father over their hearts. The will of God. God, open up their eyes and help them to see who you really are. In some ways, I've prayed for prodigals. God, take them to the bottom of the barrel so they'll wake up. Where they finally get to the point where their stubbornness just can't survive any longer. I am so hungry, there's nothing else I can do. And wake them up. God allows prodigals to get to some very, very deep, dark places in the hopes that their hearts might wake up and see Him. One of the things I love about my wife is when I was a prodigal and I was walking away from God and wasting everything I had, my wife loved me. She loved me and I knew that she loved me. But she loved me enough not to enable me. She would constantly say to me, as I would call her at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning because I knew that she's the one that really cared about me. She would constantly say to me, you know, we're not going to get back together until you get your life right with God, until you wake up spiritually. It's one of the things that she did so well. She didn't try to make me come to my senses, but she was there the entire time praying, hoping, speaking into my life when given the right opportunity so that I might come back to my senses. And honey, I want to thank you for that. It still gets me to this day that you believed in me and that you didn't give up on me. That was God's grace at work. Don't give up on prodigals. God's working on their hearts so they would come back to their senses. Don't give up and run away. But believe. Have faith. Take opportunities to be extensions of God's grace to others. God's grace, God's grace is at work on the hearts of prodigals today. He's at work on your heart and you didn't even know you were a prodigal, but he's at work on your heart pulling you to himself. God's also wanting you to be an extension of his grace, to believe in someone and to pray for them and to not give up on them. For that, you've got to seek God's direction or you'll end up enabling them with just human compassion. How can you team up with the Holy Spirit to help those that are prodigals come back to their senses? You've got to listen more than you talk. You've got to listen to them. You've got to be willing to pick up the phone. You've got to be willing to hear their journeys as much as they discuss to you. You've got to be willing to hear them. That's keeping relationship with them more than you just talking to them. You've got to love them more than just correcting them. You've got to embrace them versus every time you see them wanting to bring some kind of word of correction. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to get it, and I know what it feels like to give it with my own kids. I have to really resist always wanting to give correction to my, to my kids when they're on track to God and when they're on track away from God because they're like roller coasters sometimes, and they're all over the board. We have to practice more loving people than we do correcting them because loving is what gives you the license to bring the correction in the end. And I love it when my kids come to me and they ask for advice because I know then I've earned the right to bring the word of correction. And lastly, we got to pray more than we preach. Pray for them more than you preach at them. You do those types of things and you'll earn the right to be a part of what God's doing in helping prodigals come back to their senses. Hmm. So what is God doing today? God's unveiling the heart of the prodigal 
one of the things that he's done today is probably help you see that maybe your heart is more prodigal than maybe you thought. Or at least that your heart is more prone to being prodigal than you thought. Maybe you've always thought to yourself, I've followed God all my life. I've never walked away from him. I've never been anti-relationship with God. I don't have a testimony. I talked about that last week. No, you've got a great testimony. But that doesn't mean that your heart isn't prodigal. doesn't mean your heart's not headed in the wrong direction. And I'm telling you, you play with that fire, and over time, the actions follow it. So today, today, God's calling prodigals, prodigal hearts, to come home. God's calling prodigal hearts to come home. And he's calling us as a church to experience his grace and to embrace his grace for prodigals that are, all, that are all around us. Why don't you stand with me today? I'm going to take a moment just to pray. To pray for us. To pray with us. I want you just to you know, cry out to God. If you discovered your heart's more prodigal than you thought. Cry out to God. If you discovered that the actions of your life, the actions of your heart are moving you away. Cry out to God if you discovered that, wow, God, you helped me see the prodigal in my life better than I ever have before, then find out a way to pray for them today. Find out a way to cry out for them today. That's why we're going to have this prayer meeting the last Wednesday of the month. We're having this prayer meeting because we've, we've got to team up with the power of the Holy Spirit so that prodigals will come to their senses. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you're at work in our lives even when we don't know it. Even when we don't realize it, you're always at work wanting to bring us back to our senses. Lord, one thing that we have discovered completely true today is that more of us are prone to be prodigal. More of us are prodigal in our heart than maybe we wanted to admit. So, Lord, we run back to you. Lord, but with that, that gives us a great tool. And that is, we've got compassion now. A greater compassion for prodigals that are living it physically it's hard to have compassion for others when we haven't experienced certain things today god i think what you're trying to help us all see is that it's easy to have compassion for the prodigal because every single one of us have been one and or we are one or lastly we are prone to be one remove judgment from our own lips how can we judge when there's a plank in our eye the speck in someone else's? How can we judge a prodigal when we are many times prodigals ourselves in the heart? It's easy to disguise it, but Lord, today, would you, would you convict us of it so that we would run to you? And would you empower us to extend your grace like my wife extended grace to me? May we be extensions of your grace to other prodigals today. Meet us in this place. Show up in this place. Minister to us here in this house today that our lives might be transformed and changed to look more like the heart of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take these next few moments as the worship team leads us to let our hearts be transformed and changed by God. Let's let the heart of the Father impact us. But let's be open and honest about our own hearts today. Let's worship him. Into the cross I look.